Greetings, fellow investigators. Welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I are playing the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I'm the Keeper of the Secrets, and this is Episode 9. Our recap will be given by Morgan Llewellyn as his character, Dr. Gabriel Neruda. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Morgan? My dearest Clara, I do not know why I'm writing this letter to you now, here, in a dream. Such a lucid dream. Have you ever experienced such a thing? My darling, I, I fear I am lost. My soul feels adrift here. After digging up all those horrors from the past, seeing the skeletal remains of people tortured to death in the name of sadistic pleasure, seeing those devil roses festering in the dark, feeding off some accursed statue arm. And then, just a few hours later, being enveloped in the arms of opulence and pleasure, the shift from the depths of human horrors into the heights of comfort is too much, Clara. I, I can't stand it. This, this trip to Europe is nothing like, like I expected it to be. But how I wish you could be on this train, dear. We had the opportunity to meet the one and only Katerina Cavallaro. Can you believe it? Her kindness seemed to be just as lovely as her voice. She has arranged rooms for my companions and I in Milan, as well as tickets to the opening opera there. I miss those nights we spent together back home in Buenos Aires, attending operas at the Teatro Colón. And Clara, what I would not give for you to be on this train, a most magnificent train in a dream. After falling asleep, we found ourselves in a strange place called Ulfar, and we were all wearing nothing but our night clothes. Uh, there we met a vast number of cats, including a young kitten named Prince Nimbus and his parents, the king and queen of the cats of Ulfar. I know how much you love cats, and these were the most graceful felines I have ever seen. Besides from the cats, there was a man with a long beard that he kept wrapped around and around his body. He called himself Atal the Elder, the High Priest of Ulthar. He told us that we were in a place called the Dreamlands uh, that we, uh, speaking of humanity in general, have created. There are many souls who can visit this place for years each night that they sleep on Earth. There are even some people who only exist here. Imagine that. Another world, Clara. I, I cannot express in, in words the vistas that this is open for me and the implications that this discovery has in my field of study. Anyway, Atal brought us to a train station where a train of fantastic animals carried castles on their backs styled after the architecture of India. It was a most magnificent sight. The conductor... Henri Peters introduced himself as Lachette the Train at the Dreamland Express. Our tickets are good indefinitely. Uh, that is, however, until one decides to go to the end of the line. There, one can cast an object that represents a personal block into the Gulf of Nodens and be free of it. From then on, the freedom to reach their full potential is theirs. But they could never ride the stream train again. We all have rooms on this train that are designed precisely to our tastes and desires. It is wonderful. I find myself constantly on the verge of tears. This place is so much more beautiful than anything I ever imagined for myself in an afterlife. 
I know that I'm dreaming and not dead, but still. For so long, I have been tormented by dreams of hellfire during my nights and tormented by God's silence during my days. I hope that this place, this wonderful, strange place can help me, Clara. If I do manage to get home to you, I hope that I could be a more complete man. It is fascinating to me that there are other dreamers on this train who have not chosen to reach the end and release themselves from their own personal hells. Madame de Beneval, Ivan Kar Karakov, and Duncan Mackenzie. Maybe someday they will find peace. Henry Peters is fascinating as well. He devoted his whole life on earth to serving travelers on the Orient Express until he died in a tragic fire in the 1860s. He found himself here in the dreamlands, and after meeting Mimi, this fantastic being who, along with her children, carried the castles of the train, Henry devoted his afterlife to helping others find relief. What a remarkable man. Should I have the capacity to carry this letter with me into the waking world, I may send it to you, even though you probably won't believe it. Yours always and forever, Gabriel. No, messieurs, if there is anything you need, you simply need to call my name and I will come and help you. Um, enjoy the, enjoy your afternoon and, uh, or your morning actually. And uh, I will, uh, I will be here and there. Uh, enjoy the lounge. And of course, as you guys are in the lounge, the other passengers are there as well. Uh, uh, Duncan McKenzie is sitting over uh, reading a newspaper. Uh, the big Russian fellow seems to be playing around with a chessboard. Uh, he's not playing with anybody, he's just sort of playing around with it. And Madame de Bonneval is sitting over by the fireplace. Uh, are any of them uh, partaking in a uh, drink? Um, they've got beverages, yeah. Um, and of course, everything is available in here. Going to uh, snacks. So, oh, going to get a glass of uh, wine, and then approach the uh, the madame. Um. Okay, as you approach, she, she's a rather old woman. Um, she may have at one time in her life been rather handsome looking, but she's pretty, you know, shriveled up and old at this point. Uh, her clothing looks like it's from the late Elizabethan period. Um, and as you approach her, uh, she suddenly stiffens up quite a bit. She's got a small heart-shaped box, uh, like a little purse in her hand, which she suddenly clutches to her, and she glares up at you with eyes like daggers shooting in your direction. Oh. You go, oh, par pardon me. I, I didn't mean to uh, startle you. I just... Uh, what do you want? Oh, I was just uh, interested in uh, what brings you to this fascinating train and how, how I got here. How I got That's here, just, I thought. What impertinence to ask me my business. Uh, no. How dare you, sir? Oh, I didn't mean to uh, cause a offense, offense, mademoiselle. My, course, my name is... All you uh, want to do is own us. You just, you just want to treat us like we're objects that you can have. And just 
casually walk over and try to talk to me as if you just had the right to do that. I'm not interested in talking to you at all. Oh, well, I don't want to, uh, I did, no offense was intended, and I will uh, bid you adieu, and I raise my glass at her and take a uh, sip, and then quickly turn around. Um, <laughs> don't go talk to her. Ugh. Those of you who, <laughs> those of you have a, a spot hidden, if you roll a spot hidden roll and you pass, uh, you notice that uh, Mac McKenzie's chuckling over in the corner. He's watched that play out. Now Mackenzie's the one with the no. It's the the Russian has the chessboard. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and Mackenzie's the one with the briefcase uh, uh, chained to his uh, wrist. Feeling like it's more morning than afternoon or evening. Um, Edison uh, goes to the bar and, and asks for a cup of coffee. And um, there is a cup of coffee there for you. Yes. Uh, merci. And um, I'll. Uh, well, there's, I'll... there's nobody there to merci. Oh, there's not a. a... Yeah. You don't, you haven't seen any staff. Oh. The train. Hmm. Okay. Self serve? Or sure. is the coffee just there? It seems to be cup. there when you need it. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's very interesting. Um, uh, Actually, do a spot hidden for me. Uh, I'll spend the one luck and make it a pass. Okay. Standard success. So the experience is a little bit more subtle than that you want a cup of coffee you go over looking for a cup of coffee and then there's a cup of coffee there but it 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 didn't just appear in front of you it appeared when you glanced in one direction and it made a little bit of a clink as it appeared and you looked back and there it was as if it was set down there for you. you and is it, didn't is it a dip. dark roast with two sugars and cream? It's exactly what you want. Yeah. Oh my God. That's uncanny. I, this truly is a, a dream um, with the uh, cup. And I'm assuming cup and saucer if, coffee i'll uh, take a sip and then uh, approach the uh, russian playing chess and uh, and ask uh, care for a game oh you'd like you play yes of course please sit, sit down oh how very thank you nice. how very kind i'm uh, uh i am ivan uh kokolov no kokolov uh, karakov i am ivan karakov uh, and you are uh good morning uh edison uh, dr edison york Ah, you're a doctor. Please sit down. You you play. Uh, you want white or your choice? You can have white. Uh, white, please. So, um, uh, are you a medical doctor? Uh, why? Yes, I am. Ah, as well. Let's uh, let's see how well you play. 
uh, I don't play well, but I do enjoy. Ah, good. So have you been uh, long in the dreamlands? I feel like I've only just arrived. Ah. So you're not, you're a, you're a fairly new person on the train. Uh, I've been doing this off and on for a number of years now. Oh, that's very interesting. I, I guess I got the sense after speaking to uh, uh, Henri that uh, once someone makes it to the end of the train, I guess it's voluntary to to pitch an item into the uh, gulf and and then never return. But well, is well, that not your experience? I've not gone to the end. Ah. But that is uh, that is not something I am particularly comfortable discussing. Uh, it's uh, it's not it's not very good for a friendly conversation. Oh, I completely understand. I, on the other hand, I I do have this horrible, debilitating, really phobia of water. I'm hoping to uh, shed that uh, but eh, if wishes were fishes the best of luck to you then yes Uh, and to you do you are you married then Uh, no married to my work I am a married man I have uh, four children two daughters two sons Ah, lovely are they on the train with you? Oh no, they are. Uh, I'm I'm on business at the moment. Uh, I think I'm in this, doing business. I don't always remember everything that I'm doing back in the real world while I'm here. How very strange. I I guess I am cognizant that I'm dreaming, but yet I feel as if I'm awake. Yeah, you might as well pretend like it's not a pretend. It, it's more than that. I'm sure they told you that. Uh, you might very well be able to contact somebody you meet on the train when you go back to the real world, if you can remember. It's no. not always easy to remember a dream. That is true. I almost never remember my dreams. I wonder if I've been here before. Well, I haven't seen you, but uh, (laughs) that's not necessarily. You could be in another time. And now time travel as well. Hmm. What wonders? Check. (sighs) Yeah. You see, you let me distract you while you were <laughs> making your moves. I, uh, I am a man of uh, considerable strategy. That is very apparent. Thank you for the game. Of course, anytime. What would somebody else like to do? Well, I'll tell you, you did not last very long with the large man. But you know, the, the Russians have a reputation for taking the game of chess very seriously. 
Dr. Edison, I'd like you to do a psychology role. You deal with a lot of patients. Oh, I will spend two points of luck to make that successful. Okay. There's two things that you notice about Karakov. There's something about him that seems ill. I mean, in a real world, you'd, you'd probably want to examine him. Um, you're not exactly sure why. I mean, he's a rather, you know, middle-aged, strong, healthy-looking adult. But there's something about the way he talks that makes you think there might be something wrong with him. Um, the other thing is there's something about his eyes that is a little unnerving. It's, he seems friendly, jovial, um, but he also seems like the kind of a person who could easily divorce himself from his feelings to do whatever he wanted to do. Hmm. If that makes any sense, a little bit of the sociopath there, right? He That's felt, what I was thinking. A little like an act. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Just kind of, kind of took that away as I uh, thank him for the game and uh, stretch my legs and sip my coffee. Somebody else is uh, Mackenzie still uh, in the area. Yeah, he's just lightly reading what looks like a newspaper. Um, if you look at the newspaper, it seems to be some sort of uh, international paper. Like uh, it's got world news. Oh, interesting. Oh, I'll walk on over to him. Ah, sure. Have a seat right here. Oh. Um, what are you drinking? Oh, just uh, just a uh, uh, coffee here, a uh, Turkish uh, coffee. coffee. They've sick. got some really nice whiskey. Oh, I would not trend. mind having some of that with this, actually. Is that what you're drinking? Uh, yeah, and he he sort of he brings his whiskey glass over to your coffee and pours a little bit of it in your coffee. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Says, the one thing is, it never runs out. That's not bad. Not bad. <laughs> so tell me a little about yourself. Well, kind of new here. What, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a hunter. I love big game hunter hunting. and I've traveled quite really? a bit. Yeah. Well, that far. sounds quite exciting. Yeah, it actually, it actually is. I've been working with a handful of universities for various departments to get them specimens. But uh, not that long ago, I went back to, to, uh, to studying. What are you, what are your experiences or background here? Um, I am a diplomatic courier. I, uh, I carry uh, important documents between various governments uh, to have them uh, properly signed. Uh, I don't do much of the negotiation, but uh, the, the paperwork that I work with is usually pretty vital you know, to uh, 
uh, government's uh, proper workings. Uh, I travel uh, mostly between, uh, you know, Europe and, uh, and uh, like the Balkan states or occasionally Asia. Uh, I've gone to Russia a few times where Karakov is from. Uh, it's mostly just you know, lots, lots and lots of paperwork. For, for what you can talk about in, in the past, events that have perhaps concluded so you could talk about it. Have you, what have you uh, been involved with? Or if you care to share. Well, I'd say most of it is pretty obscure. You know, hmm. it's, uh, I've been working with the French and the, the Germans. Um, some of it is very sort of under the table, hush-hush stuff going on. Since, uh, since the Great War? Uh, I actually wasn't in the Great War. I was a little too old for that, but uh, I was in the Boer War. Oh. Uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's quite boring, my job. <laughs> it sounds like it would be very, uh, very interesting traveling from one place to another, but when you've traveled a lot, you begin to realize that every place you go looks pretty much the same. Yeah, I suppose. But there's what people, about here? There's food, there's, there's buildings. Can you say the same up here? No, I'd say this is pretty nice. Actually, I'm on my way to Sonanil. Um, I'm going to get off there. I've wanted to study under one of the poets. I've always fancied myself writing poetry like the great Robert Burns, but I need some, uh, some teach, you know, I need somebody to show me how to do it better. Maybe I'll retire, then maybe I'll throw this damned case into the Gulf of Notens and retire from my job back in the real world. I would like nothing better, but- This is a lovely place. Right now, I'm covered in the responsibility. Do you feel the weight of the waking world still upon you here? I do. And as he's talking about that, it almost seems like that briefcase bulges with even more papers trying to work their way out of the briefcase. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody... I've. <laughs> You know, people can make the decisions, but if I don't carry it back and forth, it's not going to get done. Someday, perhaps, we'll live in a world where they can simply send messages through the air. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be quite a thing. How long have you been carrying that around with you now? Oh, my whole career. Uh, oh, I'd say I've been working off and on, oh, mostly on for about 35 years doing this sort of work. And it doesn't go anywhere. There's no, there's no upward mobility of the job. It's just carrying papers and making sure they sign the papers and carrying the papers back. It's like I say, it's boring as hell. And that's pretty hard when you have the heart of a poet. Yeah, that sounds like a different career path for you to is you've, you've, you've known Henry for quite a while then. Oh, yeah, all the time. I first met him when I fell asleep upon the 
the Orient Express a number of years ago, and he's been trying to convince me to uh, do what I should do. That's uh, retire from this horror and, uh, and live my life, become what I want to become. Stop uh, procrastinating. But then again, I'm, I've always been a big procrastinator. I'd love to read some of your poetry if, if you, uh, you get to writing it. Well, as soon as I write some, yeah. Hmm. Have you noticed anyone else on the train with you before we arrived? Anyone, anyone that's made the journey and, and tossed whatever they were carrying with them into the realm? Oh, yeah, quite a few people. People have done that in the past. Um, offhand, it, uh, it's a little difficult to remember. Uh, one is kind of in one's own dream when you're here, you know what I mean? Um, there are definitely things going on in the dreamlands that are, they've even got their own form of government. Um, in fact, I've probably got some papers I'm supposed to be delivering back and forth between Sun and Nil and, uh, and Hilarion or Thalarion. But uh, Thalarion's not the place you ever want to hang out. Why is that? It's a little too dangerous. Well, Thalarion, uh, Thalarion is called the City of a Thousand Wonders. But... Uh, it's more like the city of broken dreams and old bones. Um, and there's a, a kind of a, I don't know what you call her, uh, a specter, an Eidolon. Uh, they say if you actually see her, you'll follow her until the day you die. And uh, you'll try to kill anyone else who tries to follow her. So... Oh, they say my. that the city is uh, littered with the bones of her followers. Though I imagine she's a rather nice lady. She can't help it. Uh, sure to steer clear from there. Well, we, we st you'll find that Henry stops in a lot of towns, but he stops there to pick up the lost. The people who've gotten lost in their dreams, the people who've lost their way. It's not necessarily a place you'd want to get off and look around the city. But he's a good man. He picks up uh, stragglers and takes them back out of the dreamlands if uh, they're willing to go. They're not always willing. Yeah. He, he sort of motions over at uh, the old lady. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. I don't think she's. This. I don't think she's necessarily a bad person, but my God, she hates men. Yeah, who knows what she experienced in in her time and day? It's been a pleasure. I will chat again later. I'm sure, but uh, best best wishes to you. Of course, yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> What else would you guys like to do? Well, I'm just, I'm just at the bar with a whiskey. I was probably a closer to Teddy and uh, listening in, but not really. Yeah. It's not so big that you can't hear what yeah. everybody's saying if they 
if they want a private conversation, you can sort of move over into a corner or something, but. It's probably quieter than a train of the time, given it's that its quiet, method of yeah. locomotion is mammalian, perhaps. It's, it's dead quiet, yeah. Uh, There's probably some light music playing, though you're not exactly sure from where. By the service area, is there a is there a magazine rack? Can I? I would like to have a look at one of these papers. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, Do they have a date? Uh, the date they have stuff. Well, once again, it's one of those things where it's going to be something whether you've read it or not yet, or whether it's current. Um, most of the news will be current, but maybe off by a day. You know, there's no printing press. <laughs> yeah, so, it's hard to imagine there being reporters or, you know, how information gets here from right. our plane. Is so there local it, news? Like, this is what's happening in Ulthar? Nothing like that, no. It's about the, wor it's about the world that we recognize, more or less. Right. I, you know, I've been wrecking my brains trying to think about how to learn a, about this Bonneval woman, but we have a distinct lack of females in our group, and she has a distinct preference. Something that I forgot to tell you to add is you can add two skills, dreaming or dreamcraft and dream lore. And... I'd say you've already got at least five in dream lore because you're learning about how things work in the dreamlands. That makes sense. Dreamcraft, you haven't attempted any um, any dreamcraft yet. Edison uh, tried to levitate for a moment at first. He but... tried to. Yeah. yeah. He like he like tried to do a a a hundred percent when he doesn't have any percent yet. <laughs> But uh, uh, Henri mentioned that in your rooms, you will have a little uh, velvet bag with some vert in it, which he showed you. He demonstrated that you can work on that. That will help build your dream craft, your ability to manipulate things in the dream world. He also said that you... You can explore all you want. I wonder where this crafted vert goes when we eventually wake up. Probably stays here. I mean, don't think we could bring something back from here, dude. Hopefully I'll have some dream account and we can return to our sample when we come back. Again, these people apparently have learned how to enter this willingly. Yeah, Mackenzie I was speaking with and seems to be quite at peace here and has seen plenty of people come and go and he has nothing but good things to say about Henry. Yeah. The wine is fabulous. Yes, so the coffee is so the whiskey. I'm not certain that the coffee is having an effect on me intellectually, though. I don't know if you can... Uh, do you suppose you can get drunk here? 
Well, there's one way to test a hypothesis. <laughs> this is my third espresso, but uh, I tend to have a lot in the working world as well. Um, Dr. Kurz, something brushes up against your leg. Oh, um, is it gray? Uh, yeah, when you look down, uh, Prince Nimbus has managed to somehow find his way in here, and he is brushing up against your leg. Yes. Uh, you know, it's a funny, little fellow. I was thinking about whether or not I would visit you in the cat car, and yet, and you have come already here to me. Maybe you heard me thinking about it. He, uh, he oddly looks up at you, kind of like he can almost understand you, and uh, he leaps up into your lap. You're sitting there and does what a cat does very sweetly. He starts yeah. purring. Uh, I can get for you a little tuna, but I suppose you already have good catering in the cat car. A warm little fellow. So you'll be the king of the cats one day, huh? Is this a great responsibility? I think of your species as being very. Um, Independent. He's contentedly purring. So I assume we came in for it through one door and there's another door uh, in this room that would head in the opposite direction of the way we came from. There's, there's a door that leads back to your rooms. Mm-hmm. And there's a door that leads onto the observation platform. And then after that is the, uh, the dining room, which you haven't been to yet. Uh, and then the kitchen and then the tender and uh, the foregrounds, the tender and the, the engine. I am going to uh, desire a Hefeweizen. And when it appears, I'm going to... Uh, so I'm I'm going to go check out the observation deck. Does would anyone care to join me? See if we see what this fascinating landscape looks like. Uh, well, let me just think about getting some uh, pipe tobacco real quick, and then uh, I'll join you. <laughs> I will also you can, join you. You can't directly see anything appear. It's almost as if, and and, and there's almost a hesitancy waiting for you to look away before something is placed next to you on the counter or on the table or and you almost think that you get the impression that there's something there yeah. but you don't see anything invisible maybe like all good magicians, they they wait they wait until you look somewhere else before they do their trick. Well, do a knowledge roll. No, that is it. Just a regular. The um, the old adage pops into your mind that servants should not be seen; they should be. Mm. They should simply do their job and not be seen. Well, they're not seen here, apparently. <laughs> be wonderful. Yep. And uh, I will start uh, sauntering toward the observation deck. Okay. Edison, 
Edison says, I'll, I'll catch up. I, I actually want to work on my vert. I have an idea on how to uh, manifest my fear of water in uh, in object form. So I'm going to work okay. on that. So you're going to head back to your room? Yes. And indeed, when you get there, it's just the way you've left it. Uh, um, very comfortable, very lovely. And you can see there's a little, little uh, bag uh, made of velvet with a tied with a little ribbon and inside of it is a lump of green clay something that looks like clay you find that when you hold it in your hands it's soft and it's pliable very much like clay but you feel a little bit of a connection to it as you're doing this and so go ahead does the room have accommodations like maybe there's a a side table and chair next to a window. Indeed, yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there by the window with the table, and I want to just kind of start, you know, initially working with the clay just to kind of get its get a feel for it and everything, and then I want to begin to try and fashion a, a fish as clearly and with as much detail as I can I can muster. I, I want to take my time. And it might take more than one session, but I really want to try and and manifest a fish. Okay. Well, the, what I'd like you to do first is to try willpower. Roll your willpower. Oh, wow. Um it is a hard success. It's close to extreme, but I don't think I'll spend the points. Hard success. So you start, you know, you hold it in your hand. You sort of, you can find that you're shaping it, you know, the way you would a piece of clay. And then you stop moving your hands and you're just looking at it. And you're concentrating on the idea of a fish. And as you're doing that, you can see it actually changing shape and forming itself very nicely into a fish, although it looks very, very much like you'd expect a ceramic fish to look. It's not perfect. It doesn't look exactly like a fish, but it looks like a ceramic piece of clay that's been formed into a fish. Um, so that's pretty good. You might get better. And you can, uh, you can consider that a success on your, uh, on your vert role or your uh, dream craft. And that might be after you've played with it for a while that it does this. Okay. Yeah, I won't be satisfied. I, I'm I'm just based on what Edison has heard. He's kind of piecing. He's making the assumption that uh, quality of the finished product will have a direct correlation to the the either success or fail or depth of success in having something like a absolutely debilitating fear of dark, deep water removed. So I'm invested in trying it again, trying it again. And, try, you know, eventually I want to be able to have something that looks perfect. All right. But so you're working on that. I'm working on that, and and I accept that it will take time. We have a ways to go. Okay. Gunter, you step out onto the platform. Is anybody going out there with you? 
I believe that, Yeah. I thought There's Dorian was a very, that. a very friendly uh, member of the cat car has paid me a visit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he stepped away now. So I'll, I'll join you on the observation. <laughs> <laughs> observation you look like you were having a good clean there. <laughs> yes. The cat barbers. Who knew? Um, Who knew? <laughs> all right. So you step out onto the observation platform and uh, you can see, uh, I mean, it's as if you're looking out the window of a train. You can see the landscape rolling by. That's very, very lovely, very pastoral, uh, rolling hills, uh, lines of trees and little flowers growing. And you can see what looks like a distant ocean, maybe. Um, uh, and it's, it's all very, very lovely. Uh, you also start to notice the pattern that's on the floor uh, underneath this the canopy. Um, it's very elaborate. It seems to have all sorts of um, birds and animals and things like that. And it seems to be arranged in six large circles that are on the floor and one in the center. So total of seven circles. Um, each one has a different motif. Each one has a different sort of color associated with it. Um, it all looks like it's made out of inlaid mother of pearl. And, mm. uh, it's incredibly beautiful. Um, if you want to do a spot hidden, you can. Uh, that is a regular success. 18 well, is a hard success. Um, Dorian notices, maybe because of your archaeology, you know, you look for little things, but you notice that there are there are points of separation. You think that the circles might actually be able to come off or open hmm. up like trap doors. Um, not exactly sure how that would work, but there's definitely a little gap running around the circle, uh, around each circle. I get a bit closer um, down and just look at it. I'm not going to search or try and do uh, anything. Dr. Gabriel, Dr. Neruda, you find, as you're looking at the same thing, that there might be something in the pattern that's a little off, like a, a button you could push that would trigger the door. It's a door. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll press down on that. Okay. You have to kind of put your foot on it and push. It's big. And you are on the green circle. We'll call it the green circle. You push on the green circle and there's a kind of a scraping noise and suddenly the circle sort of slides to the side and you're looking at a hole going down into the creature uh, underneath the platform, uh, almost like an organic tunnel. Uh, and as it goes down, you can see that little organic steps sort of form themselves 
And it, it very quickly looks like a, a passageway. Um, it's, it's not really lit um, by lights, uh, but the sunlight through the sort of translucent creature uh, gives it all kind of a greenish glow in there. I will look to, to Gunter, to look to Dorian, kind of shrug, and I'll start walking down the steps. All right. Uh, I will I will follow. Does it like smell like the there's, inside there's of no smell oh. at all? Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I will follow as well. I I might took as we're going down, took any... it definitely feels like the creature. It's soft. Um it's firm, but it's also soft. You know, you can't like push your hand into it, yeah. but it's 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 soft. Um, the passage leads um, a, a short ways uh, into what looks like a large spheroid chamber, um, like a like a, a it's the best I can describe it. It's like a, a whole. I mean, it's like a a room inside the thing, but there's nothing to it. It's soft. It's uh, it's got no furniture. It's just around like a cave, but smooth all the way around. And that's yeah. it. There's no other place that it goes. Hmm. Most interesting. This is very interesting. Perhaps it's a shelter of sorts. Maybe it's um... in case that the train gets attacked. Maybe our yell may like a breathing element or if it submerges like almost like a u-boat like this is where the water would come in to help it sink down there doesn't seem to be anything in or out except for the way you came in hmm. Hmm. i'll walk out okay i follow hmm. god fascinating such an interesting place. See, any of you gentlemen have an interest in the banquet hall? Uh, I should also say that as, as you, the final one of you leaves that room, the door slides back into place and becomes almost uh, seamless. You can still see the scene. But it's... Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, the door to the banquet hall, I mean, the archway going to the banquet hall is right there. We could uh, go have a look. Uh, Gabriel, Dr. Roland, what are you up to? Uh, well, for as long as the prince is happy to nap on the lap, it is very difficult to disturb a sleeping cat on the lap. And I have the window I'm, and the newspaper that I'm considering, uh, whether anything in it can be believed. And outside I'm looking uh for you know since this thing runs with no track it can go where it will so there's nothing like a telegraph line i'm looking for uh i have a little scientific checklist in my mind is there any insect spatter on the window pane or do insects not crash into glass in the dream world um, uh are there flocks of birds there are flocks of birds in fact you occasionally see some very unusual birds that looks like there are a number of large seabirds um like i mean the closest you would think of is like storks or egrets hmm. 
that have long blue plumage. Uh, they're quite beautiful, quite fantastical, but most definitely birds. Um, you imagine there's bugs out there somewhere, but nothing seems to crash into the, uh, into the train. Yeah, if it is an ecosystem in of some reality, then there must be some lower things on the chain, but maybe it is a system of different material. Um, and I get you, so occasionally glimpses of the sea in the distance. Yeah. And it's, if I had to describe this as, as, a, as a climate from Earth, would I say, ah, I'm in Australia in the cool season, or, oh, this is uh, one of those tropical islands, or... I'd say you. it's difficult to tell on the train, but I mean, right now, everything is perfect temperature. Um, I'd say you'd say, uh, you know, subtropical. Uh, everything seems to be growing lushly, and um, you don't see any uh, areas of deterioration where everything is dying or anything like that. Um, and probably I don't recognize a species like I don't say, oh, those are oak trees, or ah, that grass is buffalo grass. Right. You'd have to be up oh. closer, and then yeah, you, you're guessing that there those trees aren't quite formed the way you'd expect an oak tree. I mean, there a lot of those things are kind of similar, so it could be similar, but uh, yeah, the flora and fauna seem to be a little different than what you'd yeah. expect. So at some point, Nimbus will decide that he's warm enough and wants to walk around. And yeah. uh, if I see the others going, then I will follow. Okay. So as you walk out onto the platform, how about you, Theodore? What are you doing? Um, towards, uh, I hang back and head over to Dr. Kerr's uh, when he has a moment, I guess, as he's getting up from the cat and uh, just mentioned, uh, this place is quite charming. It's, 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 this is all fine and well, very pleasant, but perhaps too pleasant. I'm fearing that we might all be drugged. We need to find some way to wake up and snap out of this. We're, we're being drawn into this. I, what happens if we've been drugged and someone's stealing the, the part we have of the simulacrum? This, we've got to find a way out of here, Dr. Kurz. Uh, it's an interesting conjecture, Dr. Thursby, uh, Thursby. It's um, if there is a drug that allows us all to have a dream at the same time, it is probably more valuable than the Sudafkar simulacrum. Such a thing could transform everything in human relations. I'm wondering um, if, if we're maybe we're not fully asleep. Maybe we are. Maybe we are slightly conscious vaguely aware of one another. Uh, you have read confessions of an English opium eater, perhaps. Yeah, it's possible we are having a quiet conversation in a dark room with thick smoke and such, but it does not seem... What of these people? Are we dreaming them the same way? Oh, that's a very good question. You're a chemist. Can you think of some sort of something that could shock a person awake but then again could we even find that here yeah i wanted to be entirely safe I, you know it is said that uh if you die in a dream you can have heart failure or something 
I wouldn't jump from the train. Uh, we could ask uh, our host porter uh, how long it will be until we reach the Sea of Nodens, because apparently this gets one back to the waking. I don't feel, although I accept your hypothesis of a chemical reaction, I do not feel as though we are being in some uh, you know, sleeping trap. If, if they could give us something like that, they could give us poison and take their arm and it would be a great deal simpler and less remarkable than all of this. The odd thing is, is you don't feel in the least bit um, dreamy. <laughs> Everything seems as clear as if you were right there, which is, you've never had a dream like this in your life. All I can say is I will be happy when we wake up out of this. I, I don't, this is lovely, but it's a bit too lovely. And this can't be real. It says, I think, probably, and we will discuss this as a group, it says something interesting, I think, about the psychology of us as individuals. I am in opposite thinking, why would I ever give up a ticket to this train, even for something that improved my life a great deal? It's hard to imagine not having, I mean, as we've seen for others, it is something that one can get used to. I will summon a very, a very high quality Turkish coffee at will. I can perform experiments in the laboratory in my cabin. Uh, very few distractions, but yes, we do have things to do on earth. I'd be fearful of uh, what would happen to our bodies in our actual lives. Atrophy would set in eventually and we would quite have a, a hell of a time coming back to that. I would, I would be very interested to find out how much time has passed. We have slept through the opening of the opera in Milan. We have slept through. The train has put us off in some hospital in Turkey, but they can't wake us up. But I think I have spent many, many months in a dream and woken a few minutes later. So I assume that that is true here as well. Let's hope you're right, Doctor. If, so the two uh, of you were going to go join the others? Yeah. And uh, uh, All right, so the five of you uh, end up on the observation platform. Uh, Dr. Edison remains in his room. Um, Dr. Edison, you do find that the more you concentrate, you find that you have to actually concentrate on forming it and you're able to change its shape and uh, you can't quite refine it but you also find it very fatiguing it uh it doesn't give you a headache but it does make you a little drowsy as you're doing it the more you do it how big is it i'm assuming it's only like like this big yeah fits in the palm of my hand right okay i'm also a little elated that that this is even possible. Um, so I'll I'll finish what uh, what was remaining in the bottom of my coffee cup. Put the fish in my pocket, 
and I want to show it to the guys and show them what, what can be done and kind of describe the process that I went through and, and, you know, the toll that it's taking on me. And, uh, so last I heard they were going to be on the observation deck. So I'm going to head through the lounge, get another cup of coffee. So I think I need it stronger this time to kind of battle the fatigue. Right. And then, uh, and then with that fresh cup of Joe, Okay. Head on for the observation. And as you uh, as you step into the lounge, you see uh, Dr. Kurz and Thursby stepping out of the lounge ahead of you. Uh, the coffee that you desire is there on the counter waiting for you. And uh, you grab it and you're following right behind. And the three of you come out just as the three of them are walking into the uh, into the dining car. Uh, so you catch up. So all six of you are walking into the dining car. The dining car, the dining hall, that's, it's almost, once again, it's, you expected it to be something, but it, it's over the top ridiculous. It's like a place where a king would eat dinner with his entire court. Uh, there's two long tables um, and a dais up in the front with a high seat um, where literally a king might sit. Maybe the king occasionally takes the train, you know. Um, uh, all of the tables are set with uh, white, um, white china dishes with uh, little gold, uh, I forget what they're called. Um, it's a decorative plate and then there's another plate on top and there's all the silverware you'd expect from the formal dining. There's candelabras on the table. It's like you're going to some big wedding, you know. Uh, that It's got that sort of feel to it. Um, and as you step in here, you can smell um, various things cooking in the kitchen that uh, they smell wonderful. I mean, there's going to be some roast meat in there, you're pretty sure, and soups and all sorts of wonderful smells are, are in the room uh, but there's nobody in here at the moment smell it hmm. very unusual for dreams you can see at the far far end of the room is where the doors leading into the kitchen would be and about how many uh place settings were there it looks like there could be 24 people easily in here hmm. well, more guests Maybe than more. More guests I'm guessing that it probably seen. expands to suit however many people. Yeah, that's true. If, it, if everything is like that, I can dream Are there little else. places for the cats? There are not. Oh, this looks like it's for humans. Oh, segregation in uh, the tree plants. Well, not. speciesation. Speciesation. Yeah. Oh, and we Doctor, can say, is the, uh, is the cat's probably still with you, Dr. Kurz? Oh. Mm -hmm. Curious. So it's a curious species. Yeah. It could be that they don't want to eat with us. Yeah, that could be. They are particular, but, right? I mean, 24 seats. What, what? There's six of us plus the three we've seen there. That's nine. I mean, that leaves possible 15 guests that we haven't seen 
Maybe right. they're plan- planning to pick more people up. Yeah, I guess so, because I don't even remember what Henry said said was the schedule for formal dinners. Because he mentioned about formal dress meals. Um, I don't. I think he said like 8 o'clock. So we'll have time. We'll have plenty of time to get dressed. Get a bell ring when. Oh, oh that, that's right. <clears throat> now that that I think of the time, I pull out my watch. It's of course on the chain. Uh, is it keeping time? It is, and it says, uh, "Well, it's not your watch. It's a watch that you may have found in your room that you wanted." But okay, yeah, you were that's, in your night clothes. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're no longer in your night clothes, but. Uh, there's a watch. Um, mm-hmm. It says, you know, it's it's around 11, 11 o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. it's fairly early. And your, your <clears throat> timepiece block has uh, the regular 12. We don't have an 18 here or? Yeah. Yes. No, no 13. No, no clock, clock striking the 13th hour here. Interesting. Mm. Places. It's so, I don't know, something just magnificent about this. Anybody want to go to the spa? Is there a spa on the train somewhere? It's on the other end. I I would imagine it would be the best spa ever, looking at this place. Every every turn we take, it's another amazing view. Yeah, go ahead, Gus. Yeah. I, I, not to be overly philosophical about all of this, but you imagine that uh, Henri was working on the Orient Express, the most fabulous means of transportation in the world, and each night building this in his dream a little bit larger and more beautiful and more opulent and more extravagant than even what he could arrange for in the real world. Yeah. It's... Something about it feels obsessive. Yes. Everybody do listen. Ooh, 006. That's an extreme. 62 is a fail. Uh, 44 is a pass. Regular for me. (laughs) Standard success. Um, Nothing. Theodore Hmm. suddenly turns and looks towards the kitchen, um, you distinctly heard the sound of like pots and pans. Oh, interesting. There, there's a staff preparing a meal already. It sounds like from the kitchen. The more you listen, the more you can hear little things, dishes, something, you know, like you'd hear in a kitchen. Huh. That's very odd because usually our appetizers and drinks just appear there. But now this actually seems like it's being prepared. I walk towards the sound and I, I mentioned that it sounds like they're preparing in the kitchen. Uh, I'll walk towards it. Okay. And as you're walking towards the kitchen, the smells get stronger. Um, and there are little windows in the doors going into the kitchen. And you think you can see shadows moving about inside the kitchen. 
they're they're not they're the kind of doors that just swing open. Yeah, like a restaurant kitchen door. Right, like restaurant kitchen doors. So what do you do? Your approach. I'll, I'll just sort of uh, I'll just peek in. I'll just push it gently. You know, I'm looking to make sure no one's trying to come out, right. so I'm avoid a, a, a collision. Well, you don't have enough vantage point. It's like it turns a corner. So you can't really see into the kitchen. You can see like into the little hallway just before the kitchen. And you definitely can see something shadowy. You can see the shadows play the play of light on the walls as something is moving around hmm. in there. So we're just catching shadows, just right. like like they're like a an almost a just a half a dimension off from ours, it seems like. It seems like that's what we've been experiencing with our coffees and cocktails and appetizers. It's yes, like right. the, the staff is there, but it's not, they're not quite there. Make sure there's a, to make sure there's clear, a cadre of, of people back there. Even if they were there, you wouldn't be able to see them because they'd be around the, yeah, well, I'll just sort of go a little bit more. Just take, I'll just take a little bit more. Okay, so you're going to push open the door? Yeah, I'll do it, but not aggressively, just, you know, gently. And All right. Um, when you push open the door, it makes ever so slightly a bit of a squeak. And when that happens there is suddenly a clattering of noise and then everything goes dead silent and you no longer see any shadows moving around. And I'm guessing not hearing anything. Not hearing anything. Oh, that's right. Everything went silent. Yeah, usually that happens when things go silent. (laughs) Yeah. So if you stick your head in a little more and you look into the kitchen... There is a fully decked out chef's kitchen, you know, all stainless steel, beautiful with pots and pans hanging on the walls and stuff like that. There's food cooking on the stove. There's a pot of what looks like probably soup bubbling away. There's vegetables and things on the table that have been, that were in the process of being chopped. And then it looks like all of the utensils were just dropped on the table and there's nobody in there. Mm. This obviously seems like they don't want to be seen. They, they like dancing around our peripheral vision at best. So uh, in hopes for a delicious dinner, I will <laughs> retreat and hope that they continue on i i give a sort of a once over does anything look weird uh unusual for the kitchen or is it all just straight up kitchen mid-use and stopped do a spot hidden one thing you don't need to spot hidden for is that little hallway that was right inside the door Mm -hmm. there's another door at the other end of it probably leading to the foregone well, think? I've got a 16, and for my spot hidden, that is, ooh, I've got a hard, not quite an extreme. Darn it. Should I push that? No, I'll, g- I'll give you the hard. Um, it, you didn't think of it at first, but 
something else kind of clattered when you peeked around the corner. Um, the floor, the floor tiles. Uh, what am I noticing about? I think you did. You saw the, the the knives and things on the table, but the the floor tiles suddenly. I mean, there was a little ripple. In this. Huh. Is anyone next to me, or did, did I just basically go off by myself? I think they're all pretty close to you. Yeah. Are you seeing any of this? They couldn't see it because you were in the way. Oh, oh yeah, because it's narrow. The only one who stuck your head in. Well, I'll take a few steps further to that far door then. I'm, I'm curious. Okay. I'm certainly not going to stop anyone from doing their work, but and if they want me out, they'll I'll kindly acquiesce to their demands, but no one's confronting me yet, so let's take a look at that other door. Okay. Are, are, what are the rest of you doing? Are you following him? I will follow uh, and kind of uh, get a quick look around. And uh, did you see anything, Teddy? Uh, the, the, well, it seemed like shadows were or just something just out of sight was preparing this fine meal, and the second I got in to fully see they just all vanished everything dropped everything went silent and then the floor is rippling too something's a little bit off it seems like this world we're in doesn't quite want to fully show us what they're all up to uh when he says the floor i look down at the floor and is it uh is it like pattern tiled patterns or no you can see that very much like the floor in your room that there are little panels all over mm. the floor in the kitchen. Okay. Lots of them. Yeah, just to cut, I went in with uh, Gunter as well. Yeah, so. You're all seeing this. Yeah. Um, well, I had opened that panel in my room, so I'm going to kind of get down my, get down there and see if the panel on the floor there's uh opens the same way that the one in my room does uh it does uh it slides over and you get the odd impression as you slide it open that something was there as you started sliding it and then suddenly it's just the smooth back of the animal Beneath. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if these panels, you weren't there, Teddy, but uh, on the observation deck, we'd opened up one of the floor panels and there was a staircase that went down to like a, uh, a sack in a sack inside the creature. I wonder if wow. like, maybe that's where the servants go. But they have some way of controlling to keep the stairs showing up if they... You, you climbed into it? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. just walked down the steps. And... In, into the creature. And you, you basically you walked into its stomach willingly? Oh, I don't think it was its stomach. I mean, it, there was no acid or anything digesting us, uh, mm, obviously. Just, but it was I... soft and, you know, it was... It was... Pleasant, I guess. In a thing I way. wouldn't 
really consider doing, I think. But interesting. It was surreal. What's you've got, this? Oh. You've got to be adventurous, Teddy. It's what I keep telling you. You've got to plunge into. I, 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 I hunt. I'm fine with adventure, but but going going into some place that I have absolutely no idea about the dangers. That is what archaeology is all about. <laughs> well, what's behind this next door then? Um, you look. You open up the next door. It once again, nothing's locked. Um, you open up the next door, and it seems to open into. I mean, you've seen a foregone on a train before it's basically a storage area where they store packages um there's still kind of a level of opulence to it there's a lot of fine woods and um the same sort of you know wooden paneling or tile on the floor uh there are quite a lot of packages and things in here um there are also large bins that carry things like uh uh, well, there's one with a bunch of rolled up carpets. There's one with cabbages. Uh, this is the car that you saw the, the tentacles moving things off the platform, moving stuff in. Are you going to go in there? You can also see another door at the other end of that, which will lead, you believe leads to the tender. Oh, I, I don't want to go too far from everybody. I, I'll look back and as long I think as... you're all kind of clustered together, though, aren't you? Okay. Yeah, we're letting Teddy lead the way. I'll, 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 I'll step in. I'll step in and make room for, for everybody else. Okay. And I'm curious how Prince Nimbus responds to the kitchen. Does he just sort of prance around or does he sniff at the floor and mm-hmm. chase Boojums? He's sort of sniffing around, but at the same time, he's not acting nervous. He's acting curious. There's all the smell of food in here. Um, <laughs> there are pieces of meat that were being chopped, you know, looks like beef or pork or something. And uh, he becomes very interested in that. You find that you have to kind of restrain him to keep him from just going hog wild on the food that's being prepared in the kitchen. <laughs> That's the prince, though. I feel yeah, a little but... bad about we've we've disrupted their their preparation. They try so hard to stay out of sight, and we're just when we their work when we get into the foregun. Uh, Edison goes. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Henri, Henri. The second you say Henri, um, he's there. He seems to step out from somewhere you all weren't looking and he says uh always here what can i do for you so ah, very good to see you this, this again is a magnificent train uh but it seems to be devoid of staff where is everyone <laughs> well as they say staff should not be seen uh best not to be intrusive uh, to the guests but uh we while we have some staff, they don't work in this part of the train. Um, one always wishes to not uh, not upset the guests, if you will. Um, but you all look like you are rather hearty folks. Uh, uh, observe, and he takes a step back to the kitchen and uh, 
motions for you to come and take a look. And uh, he looks into the kitchen and says, it's all right. They don't, uh, they're not going to freak out or anything. And you see the panels in the floor open and tentacles come out from below and resume cooking and chopping vegetables and so forth. This when, uh, when you request something, it is they who place it on the uh, table next to you. It's they who clean your room. It's they who who take care of your needs. And and hmm. these are the the wonderful creatures that are moving us as well. Is it all the same entity or? Huh. That, my friend, is a very difficult question to answer. Uh, I'm not sure I completely understand the answer myself. Uh, it's, it's, um, how do you feel about this? Does this bother you at all? Hmm. Does it does it invoke a sanity roll? <laughs> no, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean I it's didn't. literally in your mind. It's exactly what you'd think that it would look like. I mean, these aren't octopuses, you know. This is they're just green, is, smooth tentacles, and they move stuff around. And they, it's not even terrifying. It fascinates me actually. Hmm. Fascinating. Mimi well, and her brood seem very talented creatures that understand even subtleties in our minds. Um, yes, they are partially telepathic. That's true. Um, I hesitate, but if you are willing to have an open mind, I will show you something. Yeah. yeah. All Please. So he says... He says, if you'll follow me, I'll, I'll explain beforehand. Now he's walking back into the foregone and he's heading up towards the tender. He says, what you have to realize is that these entities are not from Earth. They are not of the same kind of biology that we are used to when I call Mimi, the mother, and these, her children, I'm speaking, of course, in earthly terms, um, how they are connected. It seems that they do have to have physical contact with one another, um, and then they function as a single entity, mm. like brain cells. If one of them were to break loose, it would just wander off mindlessly into the countryside. Um, all right, let me show you this. And he takes you to the a door at the end of the, uh, uh, he's walking you to the door at the other end of the foregone. Um, do a spot hidden, everybody. I think I have given Nimbus a little snack of meat from one of the tables and then be carrying him. And I'll be keeping an eye on his reaction to things as well. But I rolled a spectacular O2 for my spot hit. I got the regular. My regular success feels unimpressive. Uh, yeah, I had a hard success, but that's, yeah, it's no, it's no extreme. All right. Well, those of you who succeed, we'll, we'll go like in order. Those of you who succeeded, 
as you're walking through the foregone and you notice the other things like the carpets and the things like this, there is a large trunk. Uh, the trunk is maybe six feet long, maybe three by three otherwise. It's like almost coffin size, though it's definitely not a coffin. It is wrapped in very large chains and has at least three large padlocks on it. And uh, the cat um, reacts badly. It, it suddenly starts to act very frightened as you're near this, and you can faintly hear scratching on the inside. But uh, Dr. Kurtz, you notice underneath the chains, there's something written on the side of the box as you walk by and you're able to piece together the letters. It says Karakoff oh. on the side of the box. You also recall something that Henry said to him when he got on the train. Something Your package about... has been secured. Uh, and we have a rumor that he is in some kind of armaments. Right. If I remember. So Henry takes you to the door and he's like, uh, uh, Messieurs, hold on to your hats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you step into the tender. Now, this all floods in all at the same time as you, as you see this, but I'll have to describe it in, in pieces. So the room is oval-shaped, okay? And you're at one end of the oval, and the oval goes to the other end, where there's another, um, there's a couple of doors at the end. There is a gangway going all the way the, around the outside edge, and the complete center is the back of the tender creature, okay? At the far end, and this is something that it's up to you whether you want to do a sanity call or not, but you can see the back of Mimi, the mother, and facing into this car is a huge gaping mouth. It doesn't have shark teeth. It has something that looked very much like human teeth, only they're gigantic. And there is a large sort of lolling tongue. And then standing on the tender's back, up in front, are these two creatures. They are black. They're tall. They're thin. They have small black membranous wings. Your first thought is demon or devil, monster. Uh, they're pitch black. They have horns on their head. And they don't seem to have any face. And when you step into the room, they immediately stop what they're doing. But you can see that what they were doing is one of them has a long pole with a huge curved blade. And the other one has a big long shovel. And they are cutting pieces out of the back of the tender creature and chucking them in the mother's mouth. Um, it's rather gruesome, okay? Yeah, I think 
and, and the tender creature is just like the others? Mm-hmm. And for a failed sanity roll? Just one. We are uh, dreaming. Well, and Henry immediately begins and says, now, if this makes you uh, queasy, as I, as I try to prepare you, these creatures are not like what we're used to. The children feed the mother, and the children are unharmed. Uh, each takes a turn. Uh, each trip, they are not diminished by much. Uh, and it takes them only a couple of days to completely heal their wounds. They feel no pain. And this is apparently more or less the way they live in the wild. I don't completely understand it, but I'm sure that this is natural to them. It's just extremely strange. (laughs) And these two creatures? These are are creatures who were lent to me uh, in a bargain I made with Ipnos, the god of sleep. And Mm -hmm. uh, they are assistants, if you will. As I said, there aren't many other people working on the train, but these two are two of them. And uh, he walks up to one uh, that looks, you can't say that it looks nervous because it's got no face, but Henry like quickly reaches out with his hand and tickles it on the side. And the creature reacts by kind of tickling him back. It's very strange. It's almost disconcerting to see that. And then they go back to doing what they're doing. And hmm. uh, he says, it's why I don't usually spring this on, on, on my guests. They, uh, no, no. Everything before the tickling, I was kind of uh, <laughs> comprehending. And then the tickling, that threw me off guard. On me. It's the way they communicate. They have no, no hmm. way of communicating otherwise. So, so are those creatures, are they with the tenders in the wild, like a symbiotic relationship? No, or not you... at all. No. Okay. The, uh, in the wild, it's a little bit more violent. Um, this is a way we could sort of control the way it works. But uh, hmm. I hope that doesn't, it doesn't upset you. Let us just say that I was very interested in certain aspects of the ecology of these streamlines, and I am somewhat less interested now in probing further. But not these streamlines. There are other dreamlands for other worlds. We are not the only planet with intelligent life. Mm. And you know this, Henri, because you have traveled beyond? Oh, yes, I have, but also because some of those from beyond travel here. Some are not so good. When we get to Delathleen, um, occasionally the black sailing ships arrive, and they are, we don't know exactly what, but we think they're more associated with the moon, and they they bring uh, rubies to trade but they also abduct people. So best not to, if you see any of them, they wear red turbans, they dress all in black. 
don't have any dealings with them whatsoever. What do they trade the rubies for? Oh, they trade, trade the rubies and the wine for various needs they have, but we think that it's probably slave trade. Mm. Oh, I have no say so there. Of course, it's not my city, but uh, I think maybe this will be a good time for us to stay in the spa while the train passes through the Latlin. The spa. Yeah. Um, well, that will be another challenge. Uh, oh, you'll find the staff are similar to the kitchen staff. Oh. They ah. do a very good job. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to return, I think you have any other questions. I think the prince is very upset by the large box. Ah, uh, that belongs to Mr. Karakov. That is his totem. That is, uh, <laughs> that is quite the totem. And I fear what it, uh, its implications. Only he knows for sure. As long as you know how to effectively secure it. I don't think that anybody would be happy if those chains came off. You know on my train you are quite safe. I mean, I, I cannot prevent every injury. But Mimi prevents most injuries, if it's possible. Let me show you as we leave the, as we return to the observation platform. Uh, as you are walking back through the, um, the dining hall, he grabs a plate off the table, one of the nice big China white ones. And he, uh, he walks out onto the observation platform and he says, observe. And he takes the plate and he flings it off the, uh, the train. And you see it sail out and one of Mimi's tentacles goes out and catches it in midair and brings it back and goes back and puts it right in, the, in its place <laughs> in the thing. If, uh, if you fell off, it would not let you fall. You'd be perfectly okay. safe. How well are you in communication with Mimi? Are you sure Mimi is happy and content with this relationship and not feeling enslaved? I forgot to put my mask back on. Oh. <laughs> when you call Henry. I like the mask. Because now it will make sense. <clears throat> well, Monsieur, at this point, in time, I am not precisely sure where Mimi ends or begins and where I end or begin. We have been together now for long enough that we are inseparably linked to one another. So yes, Monsieur, I know what she's feeling and I know how she feels and I know what all of her children feel. Um, I'm aware of everything that goes on on the train, normally. I mean, you do have privacy. I'm not watching you. 
Okay. As long as Mimi is okay, I mean, Mimi has seems to have quite a bit of power over this environment, but at the same time, I want to make sure Mimi's not feeling like uh, it's cornered and has no no uh, nowhere to go. Or we don't we don't want a we don't want a frightened or angry Mimi. You want a happy Mimi. I think, my friend, that there is very, very little that could do her any real harm. She's quite tough. I would be more concerned about breaking any of the agreements that I've made in order to uh, facilitate this entire venture. Um, all of those boxes of goods that you see in the back, that's part of the deal in most cases, teletransporting things from one place to another and transporting uh, passengers from one place to another. Uh, speaking of which, we saw that the dining hall is ready for a couple of dozen, but we are much fewer than that. Are we expecting to pick up more dreamers or passengers? We be picking up more dreamers as we go along, yes. And I'm hoping uh, occasionally we find somebody who is in need along the way, uh, within reason, of course. Uh, and uh, also, yes. But there's also the possibility, I, I heard something on the grapevine that uh, the king, King Coranis, is not in Salafeus at the moment. He may be in. Um, Sonanil or Saranian, um, I have hosted him before, so he usually comes with an entourage. And this is the king of Earth king dreamlands? Of all the yes, all the dreamlands, yes. even well, the earthly dreamlands, the earthly dreamlands. still a very, yeah, uh -huh. interesting uh, person to meet if you get uh, the honor. Well, if you're lucky, he might be here. Uh, uh, Henri, um, earlier uh, we discovered that uh, these disks on the floor here in the observation platform open up. Um, oh, yes. Most, yes. most curious. Um, uh, not all of my passengers need um, the accommodations like you have. Some need more special things. Also, as I mentioned, that we do occasionally pick up somebody who's lost. They don't always, they're not always safe for all the, the other passengers. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but uh, we have to have every contingency. I, I see. And if, uh, if I... Uh feared unburdening myself into the sea of Nodens and wished to retain this generously provided ticket to your conveyance, how does one choose when awake to return to this transportation? That is not always possible for a new dreamer, but uh, you'll, you'll wake up at some point, probably when you least suspect it. And uh, you'll find yourself warm in bed aboard the Orient Express. 
uh, however long you are here, it will only take that night. You will wake up the next morning. And while it's true that you can return here to this very train at any time in your life afterwards, uh, if you don't cross the bridge, uh, you'll still be able to return to the dreamlands. You just won't be able to use my train. Uh, but the accommodations are so exceptional here. You may find that you by then you'd be able to make your own accommodations quite nicely somewhere in the dreamlands if you are here. There have been occasionally some... I, I have a friend. Uh, I can't always find where he is, but I believe that he also died in the real world and managed to come here. But he set himself up a, a beautiful place. Uh, it's just my train doesn't go there. Uh, he has occasionally shown up on my train platform to say hello, but he can't get on the train. So that would that would be a violation of the rules. That would you're saying everything. with practice we could shape things in this in this realm that that isn't made of vert. I, I've 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 made this so far. I've been practicing, and I show him my fish. Ah, oh, you're doing very well, very good, Monsieur. Everything in the dreamlands is made of vert. Huh. That's interesting. And I put the fish back in my pocket. Yeah, that helps me understand something else. I was, okay, so Mimi makes the coffee from everyone fresh, but she has always coffee beans on hand and some decent cacao nibs. No, she makes it from dream materials and it's not always. We do occasionally have things from that we pick up along the way. That's part of our bargain. Um, who they is will so be unusual things. Who was the who was so mad for the cabbages? Uh, the cabbages are for Dalathlin. Uh, they use them there. They come actually from the the farms in uh, Utha. Uh, the carpets are for Zura, I believe. Uh, there are manifests. Um, <laughs> Something I wanted to tell you, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I'll tell you eventually. That was will... that's very meta. I just can't remember what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> we we will probably ask you all of these questions over and over until you tire of them. So you may it will come back to you. Uh, if there is anything else. I we should be arriving in Delathleen this evening. Um, mm. It will be dark when we arrive. Um, we will most probably have new more more uh, more passengers at that time. Well, thank you very much, Henry. If you need anything, simply call my name, and he Merci walks beaucoup. away. But Somehow he's gone. Oh. 
Well, that was troubling. Uh, although I was, when he said he had something, when he said he was going to show us the staff, if we were open-minded, I was afraid that there were going to be hundreds of little rat person slaves down there or something. Instead, it's just this impossible animal that seems pretty friendly. So I am relieved. Bizarre. Nevertheless, I think I'll go to lunch for cognac. Dolly fascinating is what it is. Uh, and I will join you, Curse, uh, actually. Hmm. Yes, I'm ready for a drink after witnessing the stoking of the engine. Those hmm. things were straight from Hieronymus Bosch, no? Awful, awful creatures. Awful? I, I can see where you're coming from, but as much as I am comprehending that this is real in my dreams, I, I am, find it oddly fascinating rather than more be- nearly beautiful in a way. I find this whole world beautiful. Yeah, well, I say, will tell you this. I would not like to be tickled by those things. <laughs> <laughs> So the one thing that you guys all have noticed is that there seems to be two different classifications for the things that are in the dream worlds. There's things that you are familiar with, coffee, books, things like that, which exist for you here. But you also have noticed there are things that you couldn't imagine in your wildest dreams. So somebody else must have imagined that thing. There's definitely new experiences here. Hmm. Hmm. Dreams can affect each other. It's fascinating. So if you would all, you can assume that you guys enjoy yourselves at some point. A couple of larger cats are going to come looking for Prince uh, Nimbus and give him a scolding for wandering off. Um, they'll escort him back to the cat cars. Um, if you wanted to visit the sauna, um, the sauna is like a Turkish bath. It's beautiful on the inside. It's all white. Uh, alabaster there's little star-shaped holes all over the ceiling with the light streaming in there's a large um, massage table in the center big hexagon shaped thing Um, there are steam rooms there are all sorts of things like that and uh, there are private massage rooms where apparently you just get naked and lay on the table and Something back here comes in and gives you a very good massage. Um, the tentacles, I want. <laughs> you you seem to lack modesty in here because it's a dream after all. Um, and then there's cat car, and if you take a look in there, it's kind of what you would imagine. It's scratchers and little places for cats to curl up in the sun and it's not like 
for humans at all. Although you can stay in there for a few minutes and there's nibbles and snacks and stuff for them. And that's, that's the end of the train. So the day wears on and although it's relaxing and you've got, you, you find enough things to do um, that they keep you amused. If you want to try the vert, um, you can also do that. Um, once again, it's willpower. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll try it's the vert. Or in his notes. I work on mine and I got a hard spot on a hard. I, I now just suddenly remember what I was going to tell you. Okay. Oh. So at some point, Henry gives you some instructions. He says the first step is to create something that reminds you, like your fish. Um, but what you want to do is when you're creating it, is to concentrate on the thing that bothers you you want to sort of imbue the object so that the object is associated with that feeling inside you that takes a little work but ultimately you can do it this is the embodiment of the pain uh, this is a, the embodiment of the thing so that you eventually you want to get rid of it you know you don't want to You've made a nice little trinket. You don't want to hold on to it. You want to, you want to get rid of it. Um, that's the idea behind the stuff. Yeah, I, I also got a hard success on power. Okay. Um, so then you've succeeded or not. You can tell us what you create if you want to. Yeah, what I'm... I am slowly making a woodcut. One of the uh, Gustav Dore woodcuts from Dante's Inferno. Wow, very elaborate. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that'll take some work to get it done. Um, you all give yourself five more points in lore and dream lore. And if you've successfully created something, you can give yourself five points in craft. But eventually you'll get harder to make these things. Mm -hmm. Too much harder. Um, all right. Uh, the evening comes and there is an elaborate meal you're all dressed in formal. Um, all of the guests are there, uh, the ones that you already know. Um, the food is delectable. The, uh, the drinks are delicious. Uh, the conversation is fairly pleasant. Um, Henry doesn't actually take part in eating. Um, he's there if you need him, but... Uh, the whole thing is for you to be served. Madame de Bonneval is not interested in chatting with any of you. Um, but she does occasionally mutter to herself. And you all do list goals to see if you get anything about what she mutters. No. Hard success. Okay. Dunfinka 99. 87. Okay. I imagine I purposely 
purposely didn't sit next to her because I didn't like her. <laughs> well, the only you, you hear two things that come from her occasionally is she's obviously introspective. She's thinking about this. She's eating. She eats very little. You know, she bird pecks at her food. Um, you hear her say the phrase, I'll never let him have it. And she says that with a great deal of seething anger. I'll never let him have it. And uh, I will not lose her twice. Around 10 p.m. Um, you're told by uh, Henri that you are arriving at Delafline. So what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. It tells you that you're going to be in Delafline for about two hours. Um, it's about 10 o'clock. You're going to be leaving at two, a, uh, two o'clock. I'm sorry, at, one, at 12, 12 midnight is when the train leaves Delafline. Oh, well, I mean, I've never seen Delethlene. I'll probably want to exit the train and check it out. Okay. Uh, from the observation platform, whether, whether you guys choose to leave or not, if you're looking out the window or whatever, Delethlene is a port city. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you can see there's a hillside going up. You can see there's houses. You can see there what looks like almost like a medieval castle up on the hillside. Um, there are numerous large uh, three-masted uh, sailing ships in the, uh, the port. Uh, there are the twinkling golden little lanterns all over the place. Um, and you can faintly hear you know, ruckus laughter. Uh, you can hear the sound of a lot of wharfside bars music being played and it's not unpleasant but you have been warned that it's it's a cd bar uh, <laughs> port mm-hmm. so don't wander off by yourselves under any circumstances you're likely to get robbed uh yeah. any point, so dr gunter says that he wants to explore. yes anyone want to join me Yes, I was. Can't yeah. go alone. Yeah, can't go alone. This could be uh, could be dangerous. Not fully certain. So let's stick yeah, together. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah, best to stick together. <laughs> I was thinking that I would stay on the observation deck, but now that we know that there are dreamers from other worlds here, I'm curious. A port city seems like the best place to meet someone from Pluto. As long as we don't meet anybody that want to enslave us in exchange for rubies. Uh, what, what, what planet is Pluto? Well, Pluto is a dog from a cartoon, so you don't know. <laughs> it's a dream I had. <laughs> right. It's another name for Hades, you know. You come with us. We'll have one drink and keep an eye out for, what did he say, red turbans? Red turbans, yes. Turbans. All right. I think actually that's a really good spot to stop. We'll pick up with Delafine next week.
Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gasway, Stuart Lively, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and John Hook, with yours truly as the keeper of the secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members, you can set up private games, and you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastery. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck in gaming. Thank you.